because our health is our freedom. It's our independence. If we are not healthy, we can't live the life that we want to, and we're going to have to rely on others. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never. My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was a moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. When I'm looking for guests for the show, I really try to find people with interesting stories. And my guest, Haley Martinez, definitely fits the build this week. She is a bodybuilder turned holistic wellness practitioner. Those are two, uh, I guess you would say, career paths that normally are not going to align. The more you hear about higher level bodybuilding and the more I heard on the show from her, it's not necessarily the healthiest thing. I think I knew that a little bit, but to hear what it's like to prep for a show and to actually be on stage is a lot different than I expected. So I learned a ton on this one. I think we just got into the basics on the holistic wellness part. I think we can definitely do a part two. I talked to Haley after the show and there's so many different conversations that we can have in the future. So I was really glad to get Haley on and I hope you guys enjoy this one. Yeah, I've done powerlifting too. That one that's squat bench deadlift three attempts at each but those meets are like 10 hours long Mm -hmm. i know they're absolutely insane and they're super boring yeah 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 so it was good that's really awesome doing competing at those big events like the arnold and the olympia are like nothing else i mean i've only attended the arnold like um doing a booth or something like that i've never i almost competed at the arnold one year but i didn't but i did the olympia amateur and that was like unlike anything. Where ever. was that? Um, in Orlando. Okay. Yeah, so you we get to compete on the actual Olympia stage. Oh wow, that's awesome! I thought it was, it was in wild. Vegas. I thought the Olympia is in Vegas. It is normally. This was twenty twenty one, so it was still when things were a little bit off schedule and like different locations because there were still rules and COVID stuff. Okay. Oh yeah, so everything got moved to Florida. <laughs> Well, all of the shows were like out off their normal schedule, like um, different times of the year, like different months and stuff. And certain venues were not wanting to host and things. So like everything was just like different. So that was that your last bodybuilding show? No, that was my last season. But that season, 2021, I did four shows. Um, I did started off with one local show. And then I think that that was the second one I did. So that was the only national show I did that year. And then after that, um, my boyfriend and I did the Alphaly show. And then I did another Jersey show after that. It was just like, I was doing all these shows just because I was ready and I was having fun and I felt like I still had it more in me. So I just kind of did it. Okay. What's a, I'm interested to kind of hear, cause I'm not in the bodybuilding space at all. Um, even the Arnold Expo is just like it. There is a. I feel like it's a bodybuilder's dream, but if you go as a weightlifter or powerlifter, you're kind of like ah, I don't really belong here. But I just kind of love to get e- even into the culture of bodybuilding and just how you prepare for all these shows. I know it's a ton of dedication. It's a lot of, you know, I think people see like especially somebody who's super jacked that you're just going to the gym all the time. But I think there's a lot of missing pieces that people don't really know about bodybuilding. Yeah, it's a lot. So if you're going to do a competition prep in in bodybuilding, like it truly takes over your whole life. You have to be willing to put aside everything to get to that goal. If it if it's truly that important to you. I mean, some people like obviously go out and they're not supposed to lying about things to their coach or whatever, taking a little too loose, but then you're just not going to do well. It, It is what it is. And it's a very expensive sport. So it's kind of like not worth it. Um, and you can't cut corners because it will show like, there's just no hiding once you're on those stage under those lights. Like it's just obvious if you didn't give it your all, but it, it is everything. It's, it's the diet, it's the training, it's the cardio, the rest. Um, you have to follow everything to a T it's extremely strict and extremely disciplined. Um, and it's like the ultimate grind because you're, you're eating less than you need to, like than your body needs to function because you're getting to such extreme levels of leanness. 
Um, and it is in an unhealthy, to an unhealthy extent. Um, you don't have enough body fat to function optimally, to have optimal brain function or hormone function, energy levels, things like that. So you're really just like struggling and like getting by with um, caffeine and things like that. But you still have to give your training 100%. Like you still have to push through, even though like most of your reps are going to be painful because you might have some um, like lactic acid buildup and things like that because you're not eating enough carbohydrates. Um but you just have to push through and do it. And you're going to be on cardio for, you know, 20 minutes to an hour or more, depending on where you're at and what your body is like, um, walking and walking and walking or stepping and stepping and stepping, even though you, every step hurts, like you just gotta, I mean, I personally put Netflix on my phone and I just push through, um, and then getting home at the end of the night and having like your tiny little last meal, that's not going to fill up your stomach and you're going to be going to bed hungry. And it just is what it is. And you just have to keep your eye on the prize. Basically, just what I do is just picture myself on stage winning. Um, and I just go to sleep like with this image in my mind of me just like going on stage, feeling like I gave it everything I had. Like this is my best physique. Um, it's so important to me. And I want to achieve that goal. Obviously, I want to win. Um, you have to want to win. You have to picture like I am going to win. If you don't, like, you're not going to. That's just your mentality around life. You have to believe that you can achieve the things that you want. If you don't think that it's possible, it's not going to happen. It's just the truth. So compete to win. Um, and then you actually have a fighting chance. And fortunately, I have been successful in the sport. And that's very rewarding. But regardless, I've received some placings that weren't as good as I wanted to. And I still enjoyed it. And I still just thrive being on stage I've personally always been a performer. Um, since I was a little kid, I always was a dancer. And then since I was like nine years old, I, I played the piano. So I've always been a musical performer. In high school, I was on the dance team. So we were like the basketball cheerleaders. And then at 18, I started training. And that's when I got into bodybuilding. So I've just always thrived being on stage. I just, I love it. Well, can you walk through like a prep, like how how far out from a competition are you actually getting ready? And even, I know you said you're doing about 20 to 60 minutes of cardio a day, but what does training look like as far as, you know, different splits, stuff like that? I'd love to just kind of learn what it takes to, especially to get successful in the sport. And I know you said, you know, it's a lot about mindset. And I think that's something that I wouldn't know. I think it's training and diet and hopefully you show up and you look good on game day, but a lot of it could be mentality too. Yeah. I mean, the thing is the physical toll it takes on you, like you're not going to make it through if you don't have the mindset part, because it comes down to that. Like when you're in physical pain and hunger and you're exhausted, if you don't have the mentality of like, I can actually be successful. And like, I truly want this so bad. Then like, what reason do you have to continue suffering? Um, but ultimately the sooner you start, like far out from the show, the better you might not like, say you do like a 18 week prep. Um, you might not be in a caloric deficit that whole time. It, it totally depends on where you're starting and like your coach's approach. So like every coach is different, but, um, it depends how much body fat you have to lose. And it just depends how quick your metabolism is. It depends on so many things. Um, but ideally you'll be starting in like a, a healthy weight, um, already been, you know, training, you don't need to like put on muscle. Um, you want to preserve as much muscle as you can. So the slower that you diet, the more odds you have of preserving that muscle tissue. Um, and if you like are able, if you have a good metabolism, like you're metabolizing nutrients quick, quickly, the, the less you have to like, less quickly or intensely you might have to diet. So you might be able to like afford to eat, keep those carbs a little bit longer and cut them out a little bit later in your prep. Whereas if you have a lot of body fat to lose, you might have to cut those calories a little bit faster and be dieting a little bit longer. So that makes it harder and more odds of losing some precious muscle tissue. Um, but my preps have typically been between 12 to 16 weeks. Um, and that's pretty standard. Like 12 is even for women, like getting on the shorter side. Some people I've heard have done like eight week preps. Like that's really short. Like that's unusual. Um, that's typically for men who stay very lean year round. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're just going to be on a meal plan and cardio and training regimen right away. Um, 
in prep, you'll be training between five to six days a week. It depends again, like if you're having one or two rest days, it depends on the person and what your training split is. Um, which totally just depends on what your body looks like at the moment. Like if you need to bring up certain lagging body parts, or if you're pretty balanced and you're kind of hitting everything evenly, um, how much cardio you have to do, you can be doing cardio only 10 minutes a day to start, or you might be starting with 30 minutes a day. You might be ending with two hours of cardio a day or only like 10 minutes a day. Again, it, it just depends on how it goes for you. And hopefully you're working with a, a coach who understands the body and how each person is individual because for someone like me, I've not had to do, I mean, I was in one prep where I had to do a, an hour of cardio a day, but, um, that was with one coach. Um, and honestly, like that, that situation wasn't working well for me. I, after that, since then haven't needed to do that much cardio. I personally haven't had to do more than 45 minutes. And that was even for a short period of time. Typically I was doing like 20 to 30 because I had a solid metabolism and I was able to get lean um, a few weeks out from the show where I could taper down at the end because you really want your body to be relaxed in order to like lose the water and look tight and things like that. But if you're fortunate, you'll have some cheat meals in your prep or like I know some male friends get to have like a weekly refeed, which can either be something that's like not healthy, like my boyfriend would do chicken fingers and fries. Um, or it might be something that's cleaner, like just getting like an extra cup of rice or something like that. Um, you don't always get to have a cheat meal. A lot of people who like first start out assume like, oh, I have to diet, but I'll get to have cheat meals. Like sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes you just can't because it is extra calories and um, they're used as a tool. They're not a guarantee. So like my last prep, I, I only had two cheat meals within the entire prep, like all the way to the end. So it was several months. Um, but again, it just has to be worth it to you. So as far as training, you have to be giving every training session your all. This isn't like, oh, I'm not feeling as energized today or I'm a little tired today. So I'm just going to do like a light session. Like unless you're told to do a light session, like you're still going to be giving it 100%. Like you are going to be going all out. As you get leaner, you're not going to be doing those well, most people won't be doing those super heavy lifts. Again, like I'm more speaking from the experience of a bikini competitor. Other divisions are different. Like obviously for like, like men's bodybuilding, that's training is totally different than for me. But um, it's more about like preserving the muscle fullness, um, the muscle size. You don't want to be damaging the tissue too much because again, you're not replenishing with the calories to rebuild. So it's just like a, a balance. So it's just like constant soreness throughout your entire prep, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And even those, um, like the muscle and fitness magazines, I think the, the biggest Olympia guys, it, that's just men's bodybuilding, like say Jay Cutler or Kai green or somebody like that. I mean, a lot of times they show their training in the, the magazines and it's like, hey, they do three sets of 10 on chest and they do a couple exercises and that's kind of it. A lot of times they don't let you know about the all the steroids that go into that. But uh, I mean, obviously any everybody's training is a little bit different. So um, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just very interesting. Um, I'm sure at the amateur level, it's a lot different too, because a lot of the people are going to be natural. Um, <laughs> never assume there's plenty. I honestly, in the NPC, which is the division, which I compete, I would say it's hard to say. It depends on the show, especially like when you get to the national level where people are competing for their pro cards, most people are not going to be natural. It's not like everyone's a natural competitor until they turn pro and then they start using PEDs. Like people are using PEDs to turn pro. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially in like the non-drug tested federations, like the NPC, um, it, you never know. You just never know. Um, so I've personally always been a natural athlete, um, but I'm constantly competing against other girls who are not natural. So they have a leg up. They might not have to, not that their prep isn't challenging. Everybody's prep is challenging, but they, I might have to diet a little harder or, you know, do things a little more. I don't like to say that other people's preps aren't as hard as mine because I don't think that's the right mentality, but I have to grind a little bit more being a natural athlete and being a woman 
um, not having those PEDs that like do things like block your estrogen and stuff um, to lose that body fat and get that leanness to look comparable, you know, or better than people who have those benefits <laughs> of those drugs. Um, but it's all over. I mean, it's an, there are going to be people on PEDs in, in every regional show and every national show, unless you compete in a tested federation, which I personally never have. And that's just kind of like, I don't know if it's an ego thing, but I just, I want to compete against those people on PEDs. I want to show them that just because you are on them doesn't mean that you're going to be a better athlete or that you're necessarily going to look better. Like I can work harder and look just as good and, and place higher than you. So like, I have two overall wins. I placed six at the amateur Olympia. Like I'm on stage with all these girls that are using PEDs and placing higher than them. So it just shows you that they're not necessary. Yes, they can be helpful, but you don't have to, you can still be successful in a bodybuilding competition naturally, if you're willing to put in the work. Yeah. And I guess it's those you know, some people might have those one or two cheat meals where you can't have that. You don't have any room for error. Yes, that's exactly right. How much do you notice? Like say, I mean, say you're communicating with your coach and you have a cheat meal. Maybe you don't want to, don't want to let them know. Is it very noticeable if you, if you just have one cheat meal when you're in prep? Of course. Yes. If you have an intelligent, experienced coach, it's going to be a hundred percent noticeable because they have their things that they're expecting. They have what they're expecting to see your physique look like. They're expecting to see what your weight should be. Um, either your weight is not going to move or it's going to go up or your muscles are going to look fuller. You're not going to look as either tight, you know, if it didn't digest well, or your muscles are like, you're not going to look as what they say, like flat, um, because all of the carbs and fats and stuff from the cheat meal that you had are going to fill out your muscles. So you're going to look really good, but you're not supposed to look like that when you're dieting and when you're very depleted. So it's going to be obvious if your coach knows what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. So on show day, and I know this is, you know, something from just hearing other bodybuilders talk like show day is probably the most unhealthy that you'll be throughout the entire prep. You're dehydrated. You're, you know, up there just everything you're trying to make your muscles look as big and tight as possible. So what's it like when you actually step on stage? Are you, and maybe you might be a little bit different walking on stage naturally. Like, do you feel good when you're up there? I feel amazing for the 30 seconds that I'm doing my individual routine. (laughs) The rest of it is quite painful to be honest. Um, because well, when you're in comparisons, you're standing there holding your pose for an indefinite amount of time. It totally depends how many girls are up there next to you that they're looking at. And it depends how tight the competition is. Like they might need to be looking at you for a couple of minutes and you're standing up there holding a pose, um, with your abdomen completely in a twist, like a spinal twist or in the back pose where like you're in a very, very intense lower back arch, um, trying your hardest not to move, not to breathe, smiling. (laughs) You are so, so thirsty. So like, hopefully you don't get a muscle cramp. Um, physically it's painful. Um, mentally and emotionally it's exhilarating and I'm very, very happy doing my routine. Like you have so much adrenaline and excitement that like, you don't even feel it. But as soon as you step off stage, you're like, oh, my bad. (laughs) But the whole day, the whole show day before you go on stage, I personally am dying of thirst like you are unbelievably thirsty because you're just taking little sips of water and probably eating a lot of carbs. So it's like you're drying out, but you can't drink water. Um, and then you have to be careful, like after you're done, not to just like chug a ton of water and eat a ton of food because it's just not ideal for like your digestion and like your electrolytes and everything are, everything is so sensitive Um, So you really still need to continue to take sips of water, replenishing with electrolytes, like sodium, potassium, um, all these things that you're totally completely depleted of your body needs to get back into balance. And then, I mean, I personally can't say I've ever followed this advice, but not going ham on food immediately that night, because it's going to feel terrible. And it's so hard. I mean, some people are able to do it, but it's so hard not to binge eat that night because you're just excited and you're celebrating and you're like, oh, it's over, but you're going to feel awful that night. And the next day you, you, you'll probably be fine unless it depends how sensitive your body is. Some people will deal with like edema, like very, very swollen. 
like some people will get like crazy swollen ankles, things like that. That's personally, I'm fortunate where my body's been able to handle it decently where that I'll be fine the next day, but other people aren't. And not to mention that like your metabolism is in such a fragile state. Um, you have to be very, very careful reversing out of a show. I've definitely done it the wrong way in the past where I've just gone back to like either normal calories or caloric surplus for a few days after competing. And I'm fortunate that my body was able to support me and bounce back so that I didn't like gain crazy weight. I, I just kind of like leveled out, but other people whose metabolisms end up getting very, very slow through a long, tough prep, they'll end up gaining like 20 to 40 pounds within like weeks just because their body can't metabolize all of that food fast enough because they've been dieting for so long. Yeah. My one buddy was on the podcast back in the early days and I think he gained like 40 pounds in two days. Oh my gosh. Like it was a ridiculous amount of weight. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure that can't feel good on your digestive system and your body's just in a, just like such a high state of stress already getting on stage and then the digestion that it has to go through. I'm sure that's, um, yeah. And you almost, you need a professional, I think, to work yourself out of that state too. Like, do you stick with your coach after you have a show and kind of ease back into the diet and kind of gradually start to eat more food? So I'm a little bit of like an unusual case. It's definitely best to have a coach before, during, and after for sure. So I'm very unusual because when I first started, I didn't have a coach until 2020. Um, and I obviously started competing in 2016. So I actually coached myself through many shows for, I guess, three or four seasons of competing. Um, I, I've always clearly just been very interested in health and fitness. So I've just always been the type of person to just dive into learning. And I was in college. Like I was only 19 when I did my first show. I didn't have money to pay for a bodybuilding coach. Um, and I just like was a little bit naive too. I thought like, oh, psh, I don't need a coach. Like I can, I know what I'm doing. And truthfully, like I kind of knew what I was doing, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And I totally like over dieted and then like fell off the bandwagon when I was done. But I, I placed second in my first show in the over in the um, open category. So I did well, but I mean, <laughs> it's just how it went that day, but I definitely like could have afforded to have some cheat meals, things like that. I didn't know that like were a thing. Um, my calories got so, so, so low. Like if I were working with a coach, it would have been a lot better, honestly, like easier. Like I ran myself into the ground, but it was a, an amazing learning experience. I learned so much about my body. I learned so much about competing and I would never take that experience back. And then in... 2017 and 2018, I coached myself again and I actually won an overall in 2018. Wow. So like, I'm very, very proud to have had that experience to have done that. But then at that point, when I was ready to like, think about moving on to the national level, I was like, all right, I only know so much if I'm going to be competing against other overall winners that are at the national level, like I need a coach, um, somebody who knows more than me. I was able to recognize like, I don't know it all and I have, I want to learn more. So also just seeing yourself from an objective lens and not always listening to like your emotions in terms of like how you're feeling. Like it's nice to just have a coach that's not in prep <laughs> that can tell you what to do. That's totally separate from you. It's less stress on you, not having to worry about it yourself. Um, and they might have totally different methods and ideas and experiences that can help you. So um, I highly recommend to anybody to work with a coach. However, that's just wasn't the path for me, but since I did start working with a coach, it's been tremendously helpful. Um, so I, in my last season, I started with my coach many months. I started with him like in my off season and he helped me build some muscle, um, and just bring my physique up to a more competitive level. And then we did prep together. And then I worked with him a little in my off season. And then I realized like I was going to take a long time. It's when I was starting to realize like I wanted to switch gears in my career and stuff like that. So I was going to kind of put bodybuilding aside for a little bit. So I'm not currently working with a coach because um, I'm just in this like um, healing and healthy phase of my life that bodybuilding is not my focus right now. But definitely if it is 
continue working with your coach because they're only going to be getting more and more data, helping you build and learning your body more. That's going to help you in the future. Yeah. And I know in your uh, Instagram thing, and this is kind of what made me intrigued in your profile, made me want to ask you on the podcast, but you're kind of taking this holistic route. And I think, I mean, as you describe, bodybuilding is not necessarily a healthy endeavor. If you want to be at your optimal state, um, you might look the best that you're going to look, but you're not going to probably feel the best and you're probably, your body's not going to be operating optimally, we'll say. Um, so I'd, I'd love to kind of switch gears into just how you started noticing in yourself maybe you weren't the healthiest and what avenues that you took to figure out what it is that you need personally to do for yourself. Yeah. Optimal is always the word that I use because it's like you might feel good or even great or look good or look great, but is your body really working optimally? Like the very, very best that it can. Like that's what I'm interested in, is my body functioning and doing everything at an optimal level. And I want other people to be working at an optimal level, not just good. Um, so yeah, like bodybuilding, if you're talking about just, I mean, lifting weights is an incredible thing. Every single human on the face of the earth needs to lift weights. Like that's a non-negotiable for a million reasons. Very, very passionate about weightlifting, but bodybuilding in terms of like the industry and in terms of competing, obviously, like there's a lot of misinformation and yes, obviously the sport of bodybuilding isn't healthy, but that in itself, it's just, it should be a short-term thing. I mean, unless you're like a professional, that's totally different, but, um, yeah, especially like recovering after a bodybuilding show. Like there's so much work that has to be done. So for me personally, um, after my first show, like I was definitely depleted of so many nutrients and I was in college. Like I wasn't into all of this. I didn't have all of this knowledge about health and nutrition that I do now. So I was just kind of like eating. I mean, I was always healthy, but I was just kind of like eating whatever and you know, Friday nights, like my friends and I would order Domino's and eat ice cream. And in college, like you're drinking more often than you do when you get out of college. Well, hopefully, but, um, you know, going out two, three nights in a row on the weekend, like things like that, um, that just keep running you into the ground. So even though you might have your body weight back to normal and you might be sleeping normally again and recovering and eating enough calories, it doesn't mean that you're back to optimal health. It doesn't mean that you don't have nutrient deficiencies still lingering. Like if your diet isn't getting all of the nutrients, even if you're eating enough calories, you can still have nutrient deficiencies and be at a healthy body weight or even be overweight and have nutrient deficiencies and mineral deficiencies. Um, or not have an optimal like hormone levels, um, which goes back to nutrient deficiencies or stress levels, things like that, especially like in college, like the stress of school and stuff like that. And I think that's just what happened to me. I mean, I started noticing, I'm not sure exactly when it happened, but I started like noticing the bloating and like just issues with digestion, like always like bloating after meals, um, like my stomach was always just like unhappy and it was, it was like frustrating. And I, I thought it was just normal. Other people will validate you and they'll be like, oh, that happens to me too. Like it's normal. It'll go away. And, and so I just thought it was normal. Like I thought that's just how I was even like, I mean, I was constipated for like probably eight years. I was not going to the bathroom every day. Um, and if I did, it was very difficult. And I just thought that's how I was like, that's how, that's how I am. Like, it was literally like a joke, like, oh, Haley doesn't poop. Like it was like a thing <laughs> with my friends. And I just thought that that's how I was. And it was normal. And that is not normal guys. Like that is not normal. <laughs> so these things are obviously connected. And, and I just thought that that's just how my body was. And that's just how I was going to live my life. Um, until, I mean, I was living like that for a couple of years and I had been to my PCP a few times about it, just mentioning to her, like, I have these issues with digestion. Like I get really bloated. Um, it's hard for me to go to the bathroom and she would just say things like, oh, drink more water, eat more fiber. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like I do <laughs> like, like, oh, go for walks. Like I exercise every day. I drink a gallon of water a day. I eat enough food. Like everything about me on paper seems healthy. Like I'm, it's not this simple, like something is not right. And, but 
they, you know, they have what, 10 minutes with you in the waiting room, in the office, like they're, they're not going to be diving into this stuff. So that's just not their job. That's not what they do. And it's not their fault. I mean, now I'm at a place where I can recognize it's not the doctor's fault. That's not what they're educated to do. That's not their job description. That's not what these types of doctors are for. So we can't expect that of them. And, I, you know, when you're going through, you don't realize that. But anyway, so this is going on for years. All through college, I'm dealing with these issues. Um, and it's just starting to get worse. Like sometimes after I'm still competing throughout college and sometimes after shows like I'll start breaking out really bad and then eventually it would go away or I'd start to lose a lot of hair and then eventually it would go away. So clearly like something's up with my hormones and I just don't know what, and I don't know why. So everything's just kind of piling up on top of each other and I'm getting really frustrated. So I have this vivid memory of this was the last time that I met with my PCP because after this, I cut her off <laughs> and I had been diving kind of a little bit on my own, doing my own research about my symptoms, um, deep diving into more natural. It's just like in my gut, I was like, I got to get out of WebMD. I got to get out of this conventional realm. Like I, I have to just find the answers. I just felt it within me. Like I needed to, I, there was something, there was something to it. Like this was real. I wasn't imagining it and it wasn't normal. So I, I ended up in somehow in my search, um, of discovering like the world of parasitic infections and candida overgrowth and bacterial overgrowths and just like what my gut issues could be. And just thinking of, oh, these are some options that I might have, like things like SIBO with the bloating. And I was like, that sounds like what I have. Like, let me bring this to my doctor, thinking that she might run some tests for me. And I went to her and I explained my issues for like the fourth time, getting the same responses. And I said, no, you need to understand, like, I am doing everything I possibly can with everything that you're saying. It's not that there's a, there's a deeper reason. Like, I feel like I might have parasites and she looks at me like very condescendingly. And she goes, have you ever been to a thermal country? And I said, no. And she goes, then you don't have parasites. We don't have parasites in the U S. And I was like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> And she's like, no, no, like we don't test for that. Like you don't have, a, that's not it. And I was like, okay, well, what about like SIBO or something like that? And she's like, well, there is like a, a breath test we could do for that. But I don't know, like I, I would continue to just like eat more fiber and drink more water. Like, uh, and she's like with insurance and stuff, like it's hard for us to run one of these tests that you're asking for. And she was just very dismissive. And I felt so at a loss. It's so just like hurt and like not heard, not taken seriously. Like I've been living in this body all my life. I know that something isn't right. And this medical professional who's supposed to be here to help me heal my body is thinking that I'm crazy and not listening to me and clearly doesn't care. Um, she did at, at one point end up running like a, a PCOS panel, which I did not have PCOS symptoms. I didn't think I had PCOS, but it runs a couple of hormones and TSH and they all came back normal. And it just wasn't like, it was just like basically to shut me up. I feel like, um, and then, so the doctor's office had called me with my results and they're like, everything is fine. And I said, okay, well, I still don't feel well. So is she recommending like any further testing? And they were like, nope, that's it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Well, I still feel awful. So I guess I'm on my own. And that's what started me in this realm, which I'm so grateful for, because if I didn't suffer myself, I, you know, what reason would I have to be here now? So, yeah, I mean, in from the doctor's perspective, I'm sure like if you go to a giant or a Walmart or whatever, if you look around, you can see unhealthiness. So maybe when you're walking into the doctor's office, it's like, oh, Haley, you know, obviously is in good shape. She has some abs, her shoulders are popping out and you can't see your symptoms. So like, obviously, you know, I think it is very quick and easy to just be like, oh, you know, here's a couple things you can try, but that that's kind of, that's where you are. You know, that's obviously that's something wrong with you, but like, 
how much deeper of a dive are they going to do when, I mean, they're looking at somebody who's three, 400 pounds and it's like, we can, we can, I mean, they don't fix it obviously. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We can give you things that are, we can give you some pills. We can give you some treatments that are probably going to help you in the short term, but. That's exactly the thing is that doctors learn in medical school, medical school, how to prescribe. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's it. They, they don't get an extensive nutrition education. I feel like they take, it's like, I've heard it's like one nutrition class, very, very basic. Um, they learn to ask for or identify a set of symptoms and the medication to prescribe to address those symptoms. And if that medication gives you side effects, they learn here's something you can prescribe to manage those side effects. All they know is how to help you in 10 minutes. Um, and how can you get into somebody's medical history and listen to their story and their symptoms and their day-to-day life and all the stuff that you need to gather information to find a root cause of their symptoms in 10 minutes. But the thing is that isn't even a question because they don't learn root cause treatment. They're not interested in why they're only interested in what can you do to fix it. And fix in quotes because it doesn't fix it. It covers it up. But that's their education. Their education is prescribing for symptoms. It's not It's not root cause medicine. So you can't expect that. Yeah, exactly. Like I got, um, I got staff from jujitsu and I was having like these little blisters, went to the doctor, I got antibiotic cream and it went away. And like, that's amazing that mm-hmm. we have medicine that can cure that because that can be a really serious disease. But for me if I'm having gut issues, I'm not going to see somebody who's just going to give me a Band-Aid. And I've been there too, going to a doctor and it's like, you got to eat more fiber. And you're like, well, I already do. Well, then take a fiber supplement. And it's like, but I already eat enough fiber. What else could it be? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not their fault. Obviously, like, I mean, when you're seeing 10 patients an hour or however many they're seeing and they're incentivized to do that. So it's like, of course, they're they're doing what they have to do to feed their families too. It's in and out. Yep. But that's the thing. Western medicine is great for emergencies. Mm -hmm. Um, Antibiotics have a time and place. They're not necessary for everything, but they absolutely are necessary. Sometimes they're an amazing invention that we have. And we're so fortunate to have um, things like emergency rooms, like a hundred percent, there's a time and place for it. But in terms of like, these more like minor or like ongoing symptoms that we have where like there's something in our life in our day-to-day life that needs to be addressed. Like that's just not what they're for, unfortunately. Um, And that's just the system's fault. I mean, all of the education for doctors, all of these programs and stuff, like who funds them? It's all big food and big pharma. Um, Things like Kellogg's is like educating our doctors. So like, what do we expect? Yeah, and, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and we're still going off the food pyramid and the 2,000 calories a day for everybody. Whether you're a five foot four female or you're a six foot two man, you're supposed to eat 2,000 calories a day. Hardly any protein, a bunch of carbs. So like those things that Kellogg's magically happens to sell, cereal, like fit great in those macros that they give out. A, a ton of carbs and then barely any protein. So like you're n- not going to eat a ton of eggs. You're not going to eat a ton of chicken and beef. And it's, I mean, the, the deeper you want to take this stuff, like the, the kind of the writings on the wall, like who funds this stuff, how everything gets, comes down the pipeline for, for what's coming next. I think. Yeah. The thing is that people just don't know, like we just don't know it until you know it. And once you know it, like you, you don't look at it the same. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that people don't know. Like, how would we know? The only reason that you know is if somebody shares the information with you or if you're fortunate enough to be like a crazy person like me and like deep dive into all of this this corruption. But it's not going to be in the news. It's your doctors aren't going to tell you like it's it's not going to be it's never going to be. Well, I hope one day it'll be common knowledge. But right now it's not. We're taught to trust our doctors, which I wish that we could and but with certain things you you can't um but with this stuff like it's hard to believe but once you see it and you know it you you can't there's no going back yeah so so what kind of resources did you stumble upon in the beginning like 
when you're seeing that maybe it could be SIBO, maybe it could be some parasites, where do you go to try to find reliable information? And like, what kind of experiments did you have to run on yourself to figure out what was causing you some issues? I did so many experiments on myself. Um, but honestly, Instagram was an incredible resource for me when I first started. Like, I'm so grateful to have, even though like I have my qualms with social media, um, when I first started out trying to learn about this stuff, that was the place because it wasn't so like, you know, censored then and people were sharing all this information and there were other people who had already been through stuff like me that were sharing the work for them. And there were naturopathic doctors and holistic practitioners that I discovered on Instagram that shared amazing info and just other people who were suffering and just sharing their experiences. And I learned so much from just hearing people's stories and experiences and then learning from other, you know, holistic practitioners. Um, that was like my main source of information, honestly. And then just kind of looking at studies that people would share and and learning like, you know, there are studies out there to back a lot of this stuff up. I mean, there. so when you see it, like, it's nice, but... I, I, I would get a lot from people's personal experiences because I found that to be very valuable because at the time I felt like I was so alone and that nobody was hearing me. No one was understanding what I was going through and nobody could relate to it. So when I found these other people on social media, that, could, that was just like so validating and I felt like I could trust them. Um, so I found like a couple people on social media that I was learning from. And, and then it was just like a lot of trial and error. Like I said, I was like, 20 years old, 21 years old, 22 years old, like just like trying to figure out what was going on. Um, and again, just not having a lot of money to spend on um, working with somebody. So I was just like, let me just see what I can do. Um, I tried eating predominantly plant-based at one point that was short-lived for me at the time with what I was dealing with in my gut, like that was exacerbating my symptoms. And that was confusing for me, but that taught me a lot. Like that's not good for everybody. For some people that works great. And for others, it doesn't like for me. Um, I tried parasite cleansing with like all individual herbs. So like now what I use are like blend herbal blends. Um, but I was literally buying like garlic in capsule form, thyme in capsule form, um, all these different herbs like individually so i was taking like so many pills and like trying to time it at the right time and trying to do all this stuff and parasite cleansing wasn't working because i didn't know about drainage pathways i didn't know how you have to like open opening up your drainage having your bowels moving regularly which like i told you they weren't so it's like you can't eliminate things like that and be pulling them out without binders and stuff like that it's not going to work unless you set yourself up first there's a lot of priming that has to be done before you do a detox like that. Um, so I was like, oh, this isn't working either. Um, but I still believed in it. I still was like, I, I still had a very strong sense that I had parasites and, and that might've just been like my intuition or my connection to my body, just like knowing that that was a real thing. Um, and then over time I discovered like coffee enemas and they're a very, very powerful tool that I'm so grateful to have discovered. And, I started off with just like water enemas and then coffee enemas and learning like things that you can add to them to make them more effective for you, depending on what you're dealing with. And obviously that's something I talk about a lot on Instagram that people are like, what is this? Like, that's so crazy. But like, they are something that have been around for thousands of years that have been used as a healing tool. They were used like in like old, I, I don't know exactly what wars, maybe like say world war one, like back in the day um, when soldiers were getting injured nurses were using coffee enemas to relieve their pain because of the glutathione boost. Like it's such a powerful antioxidant boost that it can be pain relieving. Anytime I have a headache, which is very rare, I don't get headaches, but so if I do, I know that something's up. I do a coffee enema, it's immediately gone. So like all these things that we use like pharmaceuticals to deal with, sometimes it's just that our body needs that glutathione boost um, or just to like release something, release some kind of toxin or pathogen. Um, so I just started like one by one, like learning these new modalities, like hydrocolonics, um, and then just experimenting with different things in terms of diet, eating more organic, less processed food, 
Um, and then eventually, like last year, I experimented with animal based, which I was very torn with because I was like, how can vegetables be bad? But it's not that I, I came to realize that it's not that vegetables were bad. It's just that because of the imbalance of gut bacteria that I had, vegetables were and seeds and nuts and things like that were being inflammatory, having inflammatory reaction for me and exacerbating my symptoms. And then once I was able to heal my gut, um, th then I could tolerate more foods, which is the case for a lot of people. Like if you have a ton of food intolerances, it's that your gut needs healing. It's that you have a leaky gut. It's not that you can't eat those foods. Um, but doing animal-based allowed me to heal faster because I wasn't inflamed. So it's like all of these things have a time and place. They're all tools. I don't believe in like labeling a diet. Like I eat all foods. Yes, I stay away from like conventional dairy and like gluten really because they are inflammatory period. Like even though you might not get bloated if you eat bread, like it, it might be inflammatory in a different way. Like some people get like body aches or joint pain or issues with like brain fog or cog cognition, memory, things like that. Um, and that's not that like flour in itself is bad. It's, it's the way that the U S farms, the crops, um, the monocropping, the glyphosate, all of that stuff physically changed in the compound of the wheat. It's, it's not in it, what it used to be. So like sourdough is a better option, things like that. Or if you go to Europe and you eat their bread, like it might not cause you any issues because it's organic and they don't do the monocropping. So Anyway, it's, it was just a lot of trial and error over many years and I'm still learning all the time, new things. And I always will be like, I love being a part of all these different platforms of practitioners that share and ask questions and things like that. Like I'm always enrolled in a course, like I'm enrolled in two courses right now. Um, I just love learning because there's so much out there, but yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate to have had the issues that I had because I have so much personal experience that when my clients come to me with things, I'm like, most of the time I'm like, oh yes, I understand, which is nice. Um, because then if you're trying something and it's not working or you're trying something and they're giving you this feedback, you're like, oh, yep, I know what to do. Or I, I know how you feel. We got to push through this and then it's going to be, you know, whatever. I have all this experience to pull from. So it's just so useful. Wow. <laughs> There's so much to unpack there. I think, I mean, one of the things that I think is a general problem just with, with all of us is we don't know how to listen to our own bodies. I think so many people shut their bodies off from any time they have a symptom, there's a cover-up for it. So when you get so used to doing that, you don't even know how you feel anymore because it's like you're taking so many different things and you're eating so many different um you know, issue things that could be causing you inflammation. So you're not sure, are you inflamed from your diet? Are you inflamed from these medications you're taking? Are you inflamed because you don't exercise enough? You don't walk enough? Like there's just so many different factors that, that, um, come into play. And I think for a lot of people, it's just like, where do I start? Because I mean, you've gone deep down the rabbit holes and the, and even like people, you try one thing and you want that to work. So if you tried plant-based and it didn't work for you. I think a lot of people just say, fuck it. You know, I tried that. It didn't work, whatever. You know, I'm always going to feel like this. I think it's very easy to do that. Or, or you even try something for two, three days and you're like, I'm not seeing any results. I think a lot of people do it that way too, to where, you know, we don't listen long enough to say like, are we still having these symptoms? Let's try this for two weeks. Let's try this for a month. Let's try this for three months. I mean, not a lot of people are going to do something, commit for three months. And I'm sure like some of that is the discipline that you have from bodybuilding to try something long-term and know that mm -hmm. it takes a really long time to get results. Definitely. Um, with my healing journey, I mean, that's just how I've always been as a person, the, the discipline and like the, the big picture, like long-term mentality, but bodybuilding a hundred percent because you are suffering in a sense when you're in competition prep and when you're going through a healing journey or a healing phase, um, anything like that, you might also be doing like a little bit of suffering, you know, cutting out things that you might enjoy or changing your lifestyle or doing those, these things that can be challenging. Um, but just like that mentality of just pushing through it for that end goal, 
yeah, that's definitely very helpful. And I always ask my clients, like, how committed are you to this healing journey? Um, like one to 10, because if you're like a six or a seven, like, then I'll take like baby steps. But if they're like a 10, like I'll throw everything out there and I'll, I'll see what you are willing to do. Because if you're like a 10, like I was like, you'll, you'll take it full force, but some people aren't and that's okay. Then we'll just start a little bit smaller, but the listening to your body is, is such a skill that has to be practiced and learned. Um, I think it's something that we have as children and that we lose as adults in our modern society because of what you said, the, our ability to mask symptoms like, oh, you feel any sort of discomfort? Don't worry. Take this pill and you'll feel all better. And it's like, hold on. <laughs> Why are you feeling that? Like, per that is our body's only way of communicating with us is through discomfort. Our body doesn't have words. It doesn't have a voice to communicate with us. It communicates and communicates with us through sensation. So if we feel a discomfort in any part of our body, we need to identify why, where is that coming from and why is it happening? Because there is something that we did that our body didn't like, and we need to stop doing that. <laughs> Otherwise it's gonna keep compounding because everything in our body is connected. It's a big system. Think of it as like a big machine. If one part breaks, it's going to lead to another part breaking and then another and then another. And then the machine is dead. So not that we're going to be dead, but we're not going to be functional. We're going to be suffering. We're going to end up with all of these diagnoses. We're not going to be independent. Um, clearly, I'm very passionate about that. But yeah, it takes time to learn how to listen to your body. You need to be a clear channel. So I don't feel like you can truly hear your body if you're very bogged down by a lot of toxins and a lot of inflammation because that clouds you. So it's not until you get clean and clear that, and you feel optimal and good, um, that you'll be able to notice when something is off. Because like you said, if you're inflamed every single day, you don't feel it because you are always that way. That's your normal. Your normal might not be normal. Um, so it's not until we clear that and then it happens after you've been clear and then you'll say, oh, now I feel it. Or, you know, if you have some type of pain every day or if you're bloated every day or if you're stressed every day, you might not notice them anymore because that's your normal. But when we relieve you of those things and then it happens again, you'll be able to identify it and say, oh, I feel that again. That's how I used to feel. What did I do that caused that? Um, and that's when you can kind of like trace things back and then make those permanent changes and be able to hear your body speaking to you. You said clean and clear. Like, what does that look like? Say somebody's coming to you. Um, how do you get that? Like, what does that feel like to, to a new client? It might take some time. It totally depends on what the client is bringing to me. Um, it might take a few months to get there. Um, and healing is not linear. So it's not like I give you a plan and in three months you're going to be optimal and then never have any symptoms again or never regress at all. Like it's going to be like up, down, up, down, up, down, but and an upward trend. Like even for me, sometimes I still have symptoms. I still have things that pop up, at, but I know how to address them and it's much easier and quicker. Um, but I think ideally to be clear, that means like your bowels are moving regularly, you're emptying and getting rid of all of those toxins. Um, it means that you are not bogged down by a lot of toxins in your environment. So clean water, clean products in terms of like everything that you use to shower, all your kinds of beauty products, um, things like fluoride free toothpaste, um, all of the products, cleaning products, things that we use to wash our clothes and our um, dishes, like all those need to be non-toxic because those chemicals bog us down. Um, and then nutrition, of course, like eating organic as much as possible, eat, having balanced blood sugar so that you're not having those mood swings um, and eating enough calories so that we have replenished those nutrient stores so that you know what it feels like to be truly stable and then sleep as well. Um, getting adequate sleep every single night, being as much in tune with your circadian rhythm as possible. Um, I think those are the biggest like, um, baseline things to be a clear channel, to be able to hear your body. Yeah. And it, I mean, just going like back to society, I think there's you know, they, there's so many issues like <laughs> that we have right now. And, um, 
you know, the phone use and the, the stress, the, it's just kind of like out of control. And I think for a lot of people, they might hear that and be like, oh, shit, I got to switch up my cleaning supplies. I got to switch up my water. I think it's very overwhelming. It's very easy to, mm. to hear all this and be like, you know what, this is this isn't my thing. It's way too much for me. Yeah, it can easily get really overwhelming if like if you have no idea and you're kind of hearing all these things and you're like, check, check, check. Oh no, everything <laughs> I'm doing is wrong. Like everything I'm doing is toxic. And I've, I've been there. Like I have felt like that before when I first started diving into everything and I realized how much toxicity was in my life and how toxic my body was. And I was like, oh my goodness, like what a mess. Like what, what do I do? You just take one thing at a time. For me, I, I kind of tried to do a, a million things at a time. Um, but I would never <laughs> expect that of my clients. Um, one thing at a time. I think the first thing to start with is always food because that's something that we all do every single day is eat. Um, so that's always a good place to start. And then the last place I tend to go is the products. But it's honestly like it doesn't have to be that overwhelming because it's like you're going to be buying things as they run out anyway. So say when your Windex runs out, the bottle's empty, instead of going to buy another bottle of Windex, buy a clean solution. You know what I mean? Um, when your tooth, your fluoride toothpaste runs out, buy a fluoride-free toothpaste. Your shampoo runs out, buy a cleaner one. Your makeup, your foundation runs out, buy a, a clean brand. So it's like, that's what I tell people to do. As you run out of one thing, switch it. And then over the course of a year, everything is going to be non-toxic. So you don't have to just like chuck everything in and go spend $500 on everything new. It's just one at a time, switch them out over time. But food is, food is a simple place to start. Yeah. I like that. Um, personal question. What do you think about the Berkey water filter? Cause I have that and I'm, I'm interested because I've been, <laughs> been kind of reading. Um, I think there's like a lawsuit in California going on. So I know when you said water, I was like, I got to ask that. Yeah. So it's definitely like, I'd say somewhere in the middle. Okay. So say like Brita is like not a filter <laughs> and then like reverse osmosis distillation. That's the very top. Berkey's kind of in the middle. It doesn't get everything. Um, it's definitely good, but it's not like reverse osmosis where it, it truly filters everything out. Like you're still going to have kind of like some stuff. It's definitely good, but there is better. There's always like poor, good, Good, better, best, right? Mm -hmm. I would say it's it's like better. Okay. Um, but best is always going to be reverse osmosis or distillation. Those are the the purest water you can have. Okay, interesting. But there are some pitchers out there that are amazing as well. What I have is the Therisage, um, just a regular pitcher, and that's an incredible one as well. Um, so you don't have to get like a whole house system or like. Under the sink systems are really great, but like I'm in my parents' house right now. So like I don't have as much control as I would like. So I just use a really, really high quality water pitcher. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. I know I'll we send you some recommendations. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a list that you recommend for people like as far as cleaning products and stuff? Yes. I have a list of everything. Um, when I'm working out with that with clients, I'll be like, um, cleaning products and have a list of brands. Water filters have a list of brands. Makeup, skincare, Bath and Body, um, even things like if you if you don't do dairy and you like nut milks, like Silk, for example, is a, a terrible quality nut milk because there's a lot of um, preservatives and emulsifiers and gums in it. But there are some other um, brands that are great. So like I'll make recommendations for everything. Brands is something that I'm very, very passionate about because there's so much greenwashing out there. There's so many things that claim to be clean and claim to be non-toxic and claim to be natural. But it's like in terms of the law, you can say certain things like natural or like free of this or paraben free, but there's still other hidden toxins in it. And if you don't know all of these rules and laws, like you're going to be fooled and you're still going to be using toxic products thinking that you're not. So I always am very, very specific and love to recommend specific name brands to my clients to know that they're, they're getting the best. Yeah. Even like the, the more research I did on almond milk, like I was just looking at, we were drinking that for a really long time. And then you start looking at like, there's really no almonds in there. 
there's there's so many different ingredients and it's like wait where's the almonds it's like the first ingredient is almond base and you're like okay well what's almond base and i think the more the more you're looking at your food labels and stuff the more you're seeing the vegetable oils the canola oil like all that stuff is popping up and i think even like the people on instagram they're great like the carnivore md i think he's great for instagram he's a good journalist but everything he says i'm not going to take to the to the word as you know that's the ultimate truth that's just it um no one person is the ultimate truth teller like mm -hmm. no one person should you resonate with 100% or or agree with or everything that they do might not work for you every naturopathic doctor that i've worked with um the doctor who ran my certification program um, all of these, you know, other coaches that I've worked with are, you know, all of these people that are incredible sources of knowledge and experience. There's always something that they do or say that I'm like, mm, I don't agree with that or, or that didn't work for me. Um, and that's just human. Like everybody is different. So some pe person who can eat seven to nine cups of veggies per day that, and that works great for them that won't work for me, for example, and that's okay. Um, some people do better with higher carbs and lower fats. Some people do better with higher fats and lower carbs. Carnivore MD can eat what he eats every day, but somebody else can't. So, and I love him. Like he's great. I think he's awesome. I learned a lot from him, but like he doesn't eat any vegetables or nuts and seeds. And now that I healed my gut, like I do and I can, he also has that autoimmune condition um, like really bad eczema or something like that, I believe. And like, I don't have that. So it's like, it depends on your DNA. It literally just depends on you. Everybody is different. You can't take what anybody says to be like the word of God. You have to know your body. And that's why working with the practitioner is great because they'll get your history. They'll learn all about you and your life. And they'll be able to tailor things to you specifically rather than just like this generalized blanket statement that just can't possibly apply to every human on the planet. Yeah. And I think, like you said, if you're working with somebody, how bad do you want to change one to 10? And if you're not at a 10, you're never going to take these things seriously. But until, I think until you realize that you're the only person that can get yourself to a 10 and you're the only person who's responsible for like, nobody's responsible for making you feel better. If you feel like shit, it's on you ultimately to seek people out. And you have to find a lot of resources and mentors to figure that stuff out. It's not like it's going to be a one man job, but if you don't do that for yourself, nobody else is going to do it for you. If you're just going by one person on Instagram or trying to find one book that's going to cure you. And I mean, look at Barnes and Noble, like every diet book has the answer and there's millions of them. So They're obviously, so yeah, obviously there's no one size fits all, but I think, yeah, I'm, it's going to take work. If of anybody course. wants to heal themselves, it's going to take a lot of work. And I mean, I'm not even some of the stuff that you're saying might not resonate with me totally like switching the cleaning products. And I know it's something like I have to look into more because I'm lazy when it comes to that stuff, you know, but until, yeah. until it's a priority for me, like I, I'm probably not going to make those changes, but like, I know that those resources are out there. So like knowing who to trust, knowing where to go and, and making the changes kind of as they see fit for you. Absolutely. I mean, if this is like brand new information to you, like it's so easy to dismiss it. And it's so easy to simply just not be ready for it. And that is okay. Everybody is on their own path, their own journey. Um, I'm going to work with people that are only ready to address nutrition. And if I can help you with that, that's amazing. If you're not ready to talk about toxic products, that is fine. Maybe one day you will be, maybe you never will be. That's your choice. Like the, the thing is I'm here to offer knowledge. I'm here to offer information everybody can take what they want from it. And that is fine. Like we all have the freedom to choose what we do with our lives. But at the end of the day, our health is our greatest responsibility. It is a huge responsibility, but it is our most important responsibility because our health is our freedom. It's our independence. If we are not healthy, we can't live the life that we want to. And we're going to have to rely on others, um, especially as you age. So like, for example, like with our parents and our grandparents, like it, it scares me to think of one day that I, you know, live in such a toxic body 
that I need to rely on someone else to take care of me or that I can't like walk up this, I have to live in a house where I can't walk up the stairs or I can't do certain physical activities or things that I enjoy for the last five to 10 years of my life simply because of my health. Because we have a hundred percent control over the things that we do every day and everything that we do matters. Everything that we do leads to a certain result for better or for worse. And that's our responsibility to make those good choices. Yeah. Hundred percent, and I don't want to say I um I disagree with you about the cleaning products. I'm totally no, I I have no, no take no offense. <laughs> no, no, I'm totally on board. It's just like I'm I'm lazy. I need to get better at it. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's a great place to start. I would love to have you back on for for part two. I think there's so many like different deep dives that we can go to, but I think this was a good surface level. If people are you know thinking they want to work with you in any capacity, where can they go and do that? So on Instagram, you can find me at Hey Cruise Fit. Um, I've thought about changing that name so many times, but I'm like, you know, that's where I started. That's that's what this account is. Um, so H-A-Y-C-R-U-Z Fit. That's my Instagram. And then I have my you know website you can click on. It shows you how to sign up for my newsletter. Every month I send out a little email with like some a certain topic. I share some deeper information on there that I can't necessarily post about. Um, and then usually like a good recipe. And then my link to work on me is there too. My website is practice hyphen, I'm sorry, primal hyphen practice.com. Primal practice is my business name. Um, and then you work with me through an app called practice better, but yeah, I offer all kinds of stuff. You can either just have like a consult with me to just kind of do a little overview, see what things need to be addressed or, you know, people tend to work with me for three to six months or longer, because when you're doing things the right way, the natural way, the healthy way, it takes time. So we just have to be patient and take one thing at a time. A thousand percent. Well, I'm definitely going to come back and revisit this one. I think you, you laid a lot of good, uh, good foundation here. So I think people are going to take a ton away from this. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I'm so glad I had a great time.